0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offences. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, And whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue... Is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Brenton. And uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, it's, it's great to see you. Um, I'm married to Lauren. Uh, I'm a discipleship minister here at City on a Hill. I get to do things like our Alpha course, our men's ministry, and pastoral care. And I've got to say, as a parent of three children, I am fully aware that our world is full of words. Today, you are probably going to say around 16,000 words. Shout out to my extroverted friends. You're probably going to outperform that quite a bit. You're also going to hear... Oh, do we get a woo? Yeah, all right. Yeah, good on you. We, um, we're probably also going to hear about 30,000 words. And because of the digital age that we live in, uh, we are going to, we're able to direct more words than ever before human the human race is going to hit send on about 32 billion text messages today 50 billion WhatsApp messages and we've been able to consume more words than ever right there used to be the newspaper now we've got the 24 hour news cycle there used to be encyclopedias anyone had one of those now we've got wikipedia there used to be this show called Australia's Funniest Home Video Shows. Anyone heard of that? Anyone watch that? Well, now we've got TikTok, right? I once heard someone told me that Instagram is the Twitter for people who can't read. <laughs> um, you, you, like, you, like I've been saying, there's, there's so many ways that we can consume words, but we also say some really unhelpful words to ourselves, don't we? I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, one thing we often say to ourselves is, you know what, I'll just, I'll just watch one more episode before I go to bed. That's unhelpful. Um, we'll say things like, oh, I don't know what that post means. Maybe, maybe I'll just flick down to the comment section and try to figure that one out. Let me tell you one of the most unhelpful things that we say to ourselves. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never help me will never hurt me. Why is that so unhelpful? Actually, scratch that. Why is that so utterly false? It's because your words have power. And your words matter. They can bless and curse. They can help and hurt. They can save and make suffer. Words not only have power, but like I said, they they are incredibly important. And the words that you speak, the words that you hear, the words that you digest are oftentimes more impactful than sticks and stones. So, in a world that's an endless barrage of words, how do we know the right ones to listen to? How do we know what to say? How can we use our words to bless others? And how can we allow words to change our hearts? Well, thankfully, today, the words of this book are going to help us understand the powers of words. But within this book, there is, it's more than just characters on a page. We're actually getting to hear the very word of God. And so as we open up this book today, would you pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it pierces our hearts and refreshes our minds. I pray that you would use this today, that you would use my words to be helpful, and that, God, that you would speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you probably caught from our Bible reading, the book of Proverbs has lots of to say about this topic of words. In fact, by my count, there are over a 100 Proverbs that relate to this topic of words. I'm not going to go through all of them because I'm also very aware that the book of Proverbs says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. So let that be an accountability statement for this sermon. I'll promise I'll try not to drag on today. But we are going to look at three pieces of advice that the book of Proverbs has on this topic. It's going to help us see what our words do, how to use them, and why they aren't enough. What our words do, how to use them, and why they aren't enough. So let's start with what our words do. In Proverbs 18.21, it actually gives us a very striking truth about our words. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, you're going to have to pardon my pun here, but Proverbs does not mince words while it talks about words. Our words just—they're not just powerful. They are a matter of life and death. And there are tons of examples in uh, Proverbs that give us life-giving exhortations to use, how to use our words and why our words are important. In uh, chapter 12, verse 14, it says, From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. In 1523, it says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. 1624 says, Gracious words. Are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. these aren 't just biblical truths, right they, they resonate with us, whether we believe in the Bible or not. In fact, Mark Twain once said that I could live two, for two months off a good compliment. You see gracious words, a good compliment it 's life giving it 's edifying it 's it's uplifting, and the Bible encourages us to be generous with our words. Can you, can you think of a time when someone has given you a really good compliment? I, um, I, I had a, a friend of mine who volunteered in one of our ministries, and as she was stepping out of that ministry, she handed me a card And one of the things that I noticed as soon as I opened up the card was that she had filled out every single white space, front and back. And it was a beautiful, beautiful encouragement to me. Um, She spent some time talking about some of the memories we shared, uh, started talking about some of the ways, uh, the the impact of the topics that I spoke on, um, some of the lessons that she learned. One line she actually put in there, she said, you told me what the prosperity gospel is. And showed me firsthand that men with grey hairs aren't always in their 40s. <laughs> really encouraging. Uh, but she actually ended up saying, at the end of the letter, you are so loved, so valued, and I'm thankful for your leadership in my life. Isn't that encouraging? I promise I'm not trying to flatter myself here. But rather, this is, this is the Im- I want to show you what the impact of powerful words can mean. Gracious words. A great compliment can change someone's week. It can change their year. Sometimes it can even change the view of themselves. And do you know, do you know what the modern day antidote for the tall poppy syndrome is? For the anonymous internet trolls? It's a good, gracious word. So Proverbs does challenge us to say gracious words to one another, but the rest of the Bible does too. In 1 Thessalonians, it says for us to encourage one another, to build each other up. Uh, In Ephesians 4, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. You see, if you are a Christian, your words don't just encourage somebody. They don't just build someone up. They don't just make them feel good about their day. Your words give them grace. It's the same grace that Ephesians says saves you. When you're gracious with your words, the people around you are going to notice something different about you. You're going to speak life. You're going to speak the love that Jesus provides. But even though the Bible speaks of the merits of encouraging someone, it also talks about the trap that our words can be in tearing others down. Have a look at Proverbs 10 14. It says, The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. In 11 verse 9, it says, With the mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor. And if we step out of Proverbs for a second, the book of James actually has a much starker warning about the power of our words. Take a look at this. Um, In James 3.6, it says, The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's how powerful your words are when used in the wrong way. And we've all been witness to the carnage that people's words can leave behind. You know what? You've even been witness to the carnage of not using words. Have you ever experienced the silent treatment from someone? That's just cutting. And unfortunately, as a pastor, I've, had to, I've sat with people whose marriages, whose families, whose jobs that have been lost, whose relationships have broken down. I've sat with and seen the damage that words can do. And look, even though it's easy to point the fingers at other people and say how damaging their words have been, Let's, let's be brave for a second, okay? Let's allow Proverbs to do a little bit of heart surgery on us. Proverbs 20, verse 17, it says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. Okay, deceit. Who's been that person who's stood up in the office and said, hey, does anyone want a coffee? But actually inside, you really don't want to buy anyone a coffee. You're just trying to look nice and be happy with people. Um, okay, let's try another one. Proverbs ten eighteen: The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Okay, so you may not have said anything hateful. You might not have said that frustration that's, been on your mind. But have you ever kept it in? Have you ever said something under your breath? Do I have any parents in here? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to myself here too. All right. One last, uh, one last one. Proverbs 18 verse 8. It says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. All right. Have you ever heard a juicy piece of gossip? And instead of putting it out in your mind, you've actually invited it in and enjoyed it. So why do we allow these rumors, this angst, this deception to fester inside of us? Well, it goes back a long way, doesn't it? I mean, think all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. What happened? What did they do? They allowed a rumor from a serpent to come in and say, did God really say that? They harbored this confusion, this maybe even anger, thinking that they knew better than God. And then they even tried to deceive God by uh, saying, no, 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 it was, it was her, it wasn't me. No, no, hang on, it was the, it was the serpent. I didn't do anything wrong. You see, our desire for hurtful words goes deep into our DNA. Um, many of you might know a guy named Dave Horn. He used to be on staff here. He's now leading a church in Tasmania. And he shared a couple of weeks ago three really insightful phrases that, that he thinks are the, the hardest to say and the rarest you'll hear. The first phrase he said is, I can't afford that. <laughs> the Second one is, I disagree, but we can still be friends. And the third one he said was, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I was wrong. You see, our words can harm and they can divide. And we've all said words that we wish we shouldn't have. But there are actually also opportunities for us to reconcile where we have messed up, let me add another phrase that you very rarely hear. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Have you ever asked someone for forgiveness before? Look, I I will admit it's it's really hard. Quite quite a few years ago, um, uh, I was organising a staff meeting, and. Uh, someone on our team who knows I'm sharing this story showed up five minutes late. Five minutes late. And um, instead of giving him the benefit of the doubt, I just harbored a lot of resentment. I felt dishonored. I felt like he disrespected me. And I'd made up this story in my mind that... Uh, he was very frustrated with me and just didn't want to have anything to do with me. And so God had, I held on to this for months and God had actually prompted me many times to confess this to him, but I, I tried to shut God down on it. But one day I couldn't hold it back any longer. I asked him to go out for a walk and with gritted teeth, I confessed to him how I was feeling And I asked for his forgiveness, and I'll never forget what happened. He he turned to me, and first of all, he looked dumbfounded. He couldn't even remember the meeting that I'd organised, and he couldn't even remember that he was late. But he said, "Look, even though I don't remember it, I'm really sorry that I did that." And then he turned to me, he grabbed me on both shoulders, he looked me in the eyes, and he said, "You are forgiven." That was so impactful to me. That actually changed the way that I started thinking about different things. Look, if I book a meeting with you, please be on time. But if you're five minutes late, my heart's going to be a little different now. And it's because that person showed forgiveness toward me. And so when you confess your sin to someone, look, forgiveness is never promised. And we need to be okay with that. I hope that we would be a church that is really good at confessing our sin to one another and being okay if forgiveness doesn't come. But listen, when forgiveness does happen, when you're bold enough to ask and to tell someone, hey, I've messed up here, you've invited in a grace, a reflection of the goodness of God into your heart. And this is the, the beautiful thing about forgiveness. In first John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, forgiveness is never promised by the people that we confess to. But you know where it is promised? In the words of God. It's always free. It's always assured, and he is faithful and just to forgive us by our confession. And it's not because we say some special words. It's because he sent his son to take the judgment that our confession deserved once and for all. And see, when we offer our words of confession to God, it's his words that cleanse all our unrighteousness. Maybe there are some words that you are thinking about confessing to God today. I want to just encourage you not to hold those back. Okay, so we've looked at what our words do. Let's have a look at now how to use our words. If you've got a Bible, I, I want to really encourage you to open it because we're going to be camping out in Proverbs chapter 2. You can, um, you can get it on your phone if you like, or you can, you can pull open your Bible, but we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2 for a little bit, and I'm going to read for you the first five verses in Proverbs 2. Solomon says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So there there are really three big ways that we're encouraged to use our words in this passage. And the first way is that we're actually encouraged not to use them. You see in verse 1, it says, uh, My son, receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. And see, all over Proverbs, we're actually encouraged to listen before we speak. And listening in the digital age... We've actually got lots of opportunities to keep our mouth, our mouth shut, don't we? Look, if you need to fix a flat tire, you just got to go to YouTube for that one. Um, if you want to learn how to bake a cake, Google is great for that. If you want to find something inspirational and educational, you've got thousands of podcasts to, choo- to choose from. And these tools are great, but that, aren't they insufficient when it comes to learning about your character? Are they able to identify where you need to grow or to make important changes? Where do you go when you've had a tough breakup? Or when you need advice on a huge life decision? What do you do when you need emotional support? Where do you go? Look, Netflix and ice cream can get you through a night, maybe, or two, but where do you actually find that deep abiding, relational wisdom. Do you see how Solomon starts this chapter? With two words, my son. Solomon is suggesting that we seek real wisdom, not by information, not by visual stimulation, but by relationship. And this is the one drawback of our digital age. We've actually lost the art of seeking relational wisdom. And it's hard. I get it. Look, some of us have amazing parents. Some of us have had, you know, great friends since high school. And that's fantastic. But you know what what else you have at your disposal? The church. You see, I I moved overseas when I was 17 years old, and I lived there until I was 33 or so. And I moved over by myself. I didn't have my parents there. I didn't have my high school friends. But do you know what was there every place that I moved to? The church. It's honestly where I grew up. It's where I became a man. It's where I found mentors and friends that have lasted a lifetime. And I want to just say this wholeheartedly on behalf of our church and on behalf of our staff, you are fully loved here. We desperately want you to have a relationship with God in the context of this community. And the fact that you are here today should tell you that God is interested in your life and wants to give you relational wisdom. Please hear that today. We're a place that holds up God's word as the ultimate wisdom. It's not the wisdom that comes out of our mouth or the preacher's mouth. When you actually get to be here to sing to God, his praises, when you get to open up his word and listen to him, when you get to pray and ask him for things, you're seeking God in relational wisdom. Now, the book of Proverbs doesn't just talk about listening to God. It actually says we should be speaking with our words to find wisdom. In, verse, uh, sorry, in chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. You see, the secret of using our words for wisdom is actually, it's deeper than the things we say. It's the overflow of the depth that's in our life. In Proverbs 10, it says the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life and the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The lips of the righteous feed many. A righteous life leads to seeking wise words. I mean, have you ever met that person where it just just looks like or feels like there's liquid gold pouring out of their mouth every time they say something? I mean, my experience has been that when you meet that person, even though they say really wise things, it's actually their, their walk that's better than their talk. But it also can work the other way around, can't it? If you're a dad and you tell, your, you tell your kids, hey, you shouldn't use swear words, but all throughout the day and when you get angry and when you're frustrated, you're just continuing, you're just continuing to swear around them, Oh, they're, just, they're just not going to listen to you. And they're going to do exactly what you told them not to do. And it's so easy, isn't it, to say one thing and do another. And it's even easier now to project this life that's perfect on the outside. And it's really easy to hide what's going on on the inside. Um. The digital age has allowed us to display this rich and righteous life and it's also allowed us to stay away from the accountability of our friends. Um, When we allow deep friendships to get under the hood of our lives, good friends will get under there and tinker like a mechanic. And they won't just find faults, but they'll actually draw out of you the wisdom that you have, and they'll get to share the wisdom that they have as well. Relational wisdom helps us to raise our voice for understanding. But in Proverbs 2, it actually says there's more than just speaking. There's also seeking the right words. Have a look at verse 4. It says, If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, so but how do we practically seek God? Well, oftentimes it can it can look like all the things that we talk about here, right? It can it can look like spending time in the word, waking up early in the morning, which can be really hard, but opening up God's word and trying to find what he has to say about himself and about us. It can often look like times in prayer where you might not even know what to say, but you just get on your knees and you ask God to share his wisdom with you. It looks like this. Ask gathering on a Sunday and spending time hearing from God's word. But maybe in all of those efforts, and in all of those things that we have prompted you to do and that maybe you're doing you still feel like you know I'm just I'm not hearing from God I just don't know what he's trying to say to me and I don't know what to say back to him and this leads us to the third piece of advice that Proverbs gives us it tells us why our words aren't enough. So in chapter 18, verse 20, there's this curious little phrase that Proverbs has. It says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied and he is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Now we could take this to mean a couple of things. Right? We, could, we could say, okay, when we say words of life, it fills us up. It makes us feel good, and we're satisfied by those. Uh, you could read it as well and say, well, maybe it, maybe it also means that when I speak words that tear people down, it makes me feel like I'm full. But actually, I'm not. I'm satisfied with tearing someone down, but ultimately, I'm, I'm not really satisfied. But I want to venture to say that this little verse actually says something more profound. You see, the one right after this, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So whether the words that you fill up with your body are good or bad, they might satisfy us for a little bit, but they're actually not going to satisfy us fully. In fact, Solomon is trying to teach his son and us Not to fall too much in love with our words. Not to fall too much in love with the sound of our own voice. It's a preacher's curse, right? But thankfully, there is a word that can bring us ultimate satisfaction. Have a look at John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, Was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus is the word that can change us from the inside out. He's the ultimate source of God's wisdom that's found in Proverbs. But even more than that, he is the ultimate embodiment of relational wisdom. He is the word made flesh. And see, when you seek a relationship with Jesus, you aren't just getting wise teaching and you are just getting a friend who's closer than a brother. You are getting those things. But you are getting the very spirit of God that will be with you wherever you go. Someone you can talk to everywhere. Someone that will encourage you, that will speak a better word to you than the words of the world. You see, when Jesus went to the cross... He said three words that would change the history of the world forever. It is finished. Do you know what that means? It means that death was defeated, it means that new life is available. It means that there would never be another word spoken again that could separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It means there would never be a word that would, uh, would bring you death when you have been given new life in Him. It means that when we listen and seek Him, we receive the immeasurable riches of His grace. It means that when we speak to Him and confess our sins, we will hear three more words you are forgiven. Now, I, I don't know how you came into this room today. I don't know what has been going on inside, but I do want you to have an opportunity right now to respond. This is normally the time when um, I'd call the band up and band, you can certainly come up, but I also want to call up our prayer team. See, I've I've used a lot of words today and I told you I'd do my best to not not go on because I want you to have a time where you're able and you're given a moment to hear God's voice. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple of minutes just there in your seat. I'd encourage you to maybe close your eyes. If you're, if you're bold, maybe you can kneel. And I just want you to spend a couple of minutes here asking God to speak to you. And he could be speaking to you in lots of different ways. He could be, ask, he could be revealing something in you that you need to confess. He may, he may prompt you to think about giving someone a gracious word. He may want to speak to you about something completely different. But let's give him that time right now. And then I'm going to come up and uh, close us in a couple of minutes. Let's keep praying. And um, I want to ask, as you're praying, um, I want to ask maybe some of you to do something bold for us today, for you today. If as you've been praying, you've just been sitting in that chair and you've been trying to offer up words to God and you just feel like everything's falling flat and in fact maybe you just haven't heard from God in a really really long time can I just give you an opportunity to respond to receive the word of God today maybe receive prayer could I could I just ask you this is going to be really bold could I just ask you to stand up if that's you you haven't heard from God for a while And you really, really want to hear from him. Thanks. I'm going to ask something else even bolder. Maybe you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior before. And this has been a time where you've heard his word, that you've responded to him, and you've, you, you're considering what it looks like to follow him with the rest of your life. Could I ask you to stand as well, if that's you? I'm going to ask all of us to stand now as we go into a time of worship, but I I want to ask for those of you that did stand, or for those of you that thought there's no way I'm standing in in a group of people this big, I want to invite you, particularly you, to come down the front to our prayer team over here in the corner because they would love to pray with you where your words feel like they're falling flat or you feel like you aren't hearing from the Lord. This is a wonderful opportunity for you right now to take a really bold step and to hear from him. Hear his words for you. Let me pray for us and feel free to come down the front. God, we thank you so desperately for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us today through it. And I pray, God, that you would continue to change our hearts by your words. That as we go out into our week and as we go out into uh, our regular lives, being parents, being students, uh, being uh, workers here in the city or out in the suburbs, Lord, would you use your words to speak to us? Would you use them to encourage us? And God, may we have our hearts fueled with a desire to know Jesus and maybe even use our words to make Jesus known this week. And we pray this in his name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.